Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another enigmatic episode of Inspiration Point. I am Andrew. And I'm Adam. I always look forward to the the adjective you're going to be using. I know. I, I was like, how do I how do I make this thematic? And uh, I think that one will work. Um, but uh, as as our regular listeners know, I've been running an ongoing Curse of Strahd campaign, which Adam is in. And uh, while doing so, I've been seeking inspiration from the community, such Stealing as ideas. Yes, that's that's uh, that's very correct. <laughs> uh, um, and I've been but, taking I a mean, lot of it. those from the uh, Curse of Strahd subreddit. And I came across a very well produced weekly actual play show called Twice Bitten, where a group of experienced Curse of Strahd GMs all play characters in a faithful rules as written playthrough of the campaign. And uh, for any who are interested in listening to them, uh, I'll make sure to put the links in the show notes. Um, So since discovering the show, I've been hooked and have been on a self-imposed quest to introduce all of you to the entire (laughs) wonderful cast of the show and get their insights, not just about Curse of Strahd, but more importantly, on the ways they approach tabletop RPGs in general. So tonight we are excited to be joined by Kaya, the mind behind the ever subtle, mysterious and extremely clever half elf Lillison. So Kaya, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the show. Most honored to meet you. I mean, I'm very honored to be here. (laughs) (laughs) That, That was very in character. Very oh, man, dense. that's how we should have done these. We shouldn't have interviewed the people. We should have interviewed the characters every time. That would have been. Oh, my. I mean, I don't know. Air is kind of ahead of you on that one. Uh, he has already <laughs> done in-character interviews for both Metreon and Lillison. So oh that's a treat my. for uh, when you get you when you get to listen up to that point. Oh, my oh. God. I I'm going to I'm going to do that, man. I <laughs> I. uh I just got to a point in the show where, uh, well, I'll just say Lillison just made a very off color, uh, offhand joke about possible alternatives to a certain dress not fitting the person it was intended for. Uh, <laughs> it totally caught me off guard. Um, but oh yeah. goodness, I don't I don't even remember what you're referring to. <laughs> oh, uh, you guys are uh, looking for a uh, a certain dress for a certain abbot who uh-huh. has a certain individual that requires a certain fancy dress. Oh yes, now yes. I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm not sure that was a joke. <laughs> It, it, I think it was funny because it because it could very well be true. So, hey, Kaya, thank you for uh, for coming on. Um, yes, we, we, we actually want to ask you some questions. Um, okay. Yeah. So, you know, talk about Twice Bitten getting on the show and, and meeting the GM and everything. So, yeah, um, Twice Bitten came about because I'm sure uh, 
either Jack or Twy. I almost some metry on there. I'm sure either Jack <laughs> or Twy has mentioned this already, but it came about because around May of last year, Dragna was on the Curse of Strahd Discord server just uh. going off. Um, you know, there there are always people there um throwing around ideas. Um mm-hmm. and it's uh, a big Discord. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And even given the fact that not everybody there is active all the time, it's still a lot of active users, mm-hmm. lots of really great and brilliant ideas, as well as a little more, you know, off the wall ideas <laughs> there for anybody to pick up. Oh, you need so, those. Yes. Um, because, you know, you never know what sounds like silliness in one setting or one context could be brilliance for somebody else's campaign. That's really true. So, uh, Dragna going off on his hot takes. He loves his hot takes. Um, they're always, you know, a joy to, uh, to listen to and, and pick apart. Uh, he was saying maybe rules is written. Barovia was not meant to be a place that you're supposed to save. Maybe, you know, Barovia is supposed to be a crucible to essentially save you, the character. That's. That's a very interesting idea. Yeah. And uh, there was, you know, a lot of interest in this idea. And he sort of put out a general feeler of, well, haha, you know, if anybody wants to do this, you know, I might get around to it. Um, (laughs) And then two days later, he posted an announcement saying, I've been thinking about this. I can't stop thinking about this. If Mm. you are serious about this please send me, you know, a message with answers to this set of questions. Um, basically, you know, how you approach building a character, things like that. He wanted to make sure uh. he would get suitable people. Um, and actually, it wasn't entirely clear, at least to me at first, that he was intending to stream this. I thought oh. that this would just be, you know, a, an experiment. So at the beginning, it was very much um, internally approached as an experiment, you know, testing this hypothesis, it didn't really become what it is now, which is sort of uh, an exhibition of the rules as written module for other DMs to pick up um, until we were, I would say, eight or nine episodes in. Really? Yeah. So so you guys were recording it to, to just be able to listen back yourself? Well, we had had um, two or three months between the start, like the very original idea, and when we started streaming. Mm. And over the course of that period of time, we started going, okay, well, we want to stream this. We want to make it look nice. Let's commission art. Let's have Jack do a really awesome overlay. Let's reach out to all of these video game companies, make sure we can use their music. But... Even at the beginning of when we started streaming last August, a lot of it was we're doing this fun, wacky thing for other people in the Discord and the subreddit to watch us stumble through all of this. And it didn't really become, you know, more of an educational focus until somewhat later. Wow. How about how much later would you say it was when you guys realized like, oh, this is what this show really kind of is or has grown into. I think it's an ongoing revelation, really. really? Um, it was um, 
All right. I, I have to ask at this point, uh, how much have each of you listened through? Well, um, I, I have not as far as Andrew. I'm still relatively in the beginning. So I was listening to episode uh, two, part one. Uh-huh. And then I was like, I want to skip to Strahd. And <laughs> so then I, I jumped to episode two, part two, and then realized, oh, that happened. And I missed it. And uh, <laughs> so it was kind of interesting hearing the aftermath without seeing the scene. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but that's where I am. at. OK, so I'm, I'm still pretty far back. OK, which uh, just goes to show I'm not getting up from my morning walks as much as I should. <laughs> uh, and it- I'm I'm way I'm a good ways on. I uh, I want to say I'm. Let's see, you guys were in Kretsk and you've just gone back to Velaki uh, and Erthrendir and you are, uh, well, and Lillison are on your way to the Baron's uh, house to do some things. And the rest of the party is out dress shopping in Velaki. Uh, and there's the slightly more long-term goal of moving on to, uh, Serpool to go see, uh, Madam Eva. Okay. All right. I will try not to give too many spoilers today then. Appreciate it. Um, but you are safely past the point where we first met Strahd Mm. hanging out in his black carriage at the crossroads. (laughs) Which I believe was uh, an encounter that you adapted for your own game. <laughs> you you believe correctly. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I I think we reacted in a similar way to you guys, <laughs> though. I think you guys really you really bought in, right? And and that's one thing that I can say. I, I think about your whole cast is that everybody seems fully committed. Mm-hmm. I love that, and I kind of want to ask a little bit about your acting background, if there is one. Because I, I sense that there might be one. and But I want you to finish your thought first. <laughs> um, it was basically the black carriage scenario that we ended up clipping as a sort of separate video mm. and putting on YouTube. Um, and then that just took off. And that's when I feel like we first had a spike of realization of, oh, there might be, in addition to all of the people who who just want to watch or listen to um, a streamed campaign, there might also be this other subset of DMs who just want to dip in, dip out, mm. find inspiration for specific scenes. So let's, uh, you know, think about that particular demographic. We've run um, two different surveys for our audience. Um, mm. One late last year and then one that just closed a couple of weeks ago. And the difference between the demographics is startling. Really? Because, yeah, originally the question of, you know, hey, how did you find us was vast majority was heard about you either through the Discord or through the subreddit. Mm. And now we have, I want to say about a quarter of the listeners who decided to answer that, what they wrote that they were just looking for a Curse of Strahd 
game to help them uh, in their DMing journey and found us that way. Oh, so, so they were like, like Googling like Curse of Strahd live play or actual play, yeah. something like that. Something like that. Yes. Wow. That's, you know I'm, what? I, I did the same thing for Storm Kings. And I think it's like, man, this like navigating this book and remembering everything's hard. It would just be great if I could watch someone demo this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And I, mm-hmm. and I think that's one way that they probably find you. That's probably what they were doing. Mm-hmm. It's like, come on, help me. Especially since it's such a, a famous title. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the most seminal works in, in the D and D lore. So I think people are like, oh, I, I can't do it wrong. I can't mess it up. Whereas with like Storm Kings, eh, do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> I think it also helps that our YouTube channel is our Curse of Strahd. Like, I'm sure that's helping our SEO oh, immensely. Sure. Totally. Yeah. 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 Way to, way, way to claim it. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't uh, doing that on purpose, but I don't think any of us uh, begrudges that. Yeah. Oh, no. That's uh, well played on that one. Um, so. I do want to know, though, like, do you have some act- like, I don't know. I think you're all pretty good actors. So I'm, I'm wondering, do you have background there? Um, kind of any, and kind of like not. Uh, I know mm-hmm. some of the other cast members have a bit more acting background than I do. Um, Serena was involved in some sort of uh, theater, like she went to school for it. Um, uh. And I know that jack um you know is is somewhere near the entertainment business as well or has been in the past um personally i am just somebody who has been theater larping for 10 years Uh, over 10 years now uh 12 years my goodness um and so you know the the sort of acting that is really done for one's own enjoyment and the enjoyment of just a few other people, which is basically what a D&D game is, mm. rather mm-hmm. than the sort of acting where you're constantly thinking about how you're, you know, projecting yourself and expressing yourself to a larger theater. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, yeah, there's a big difference there. So mm-hmm. theater LARPing versus versus uh, as opposed to versus regular LARPing. Offer LARPing. Yeah. Um I could talk about LARPing all day, but uh, I doubt that you guys want me to do that because I will have some choice words for choice segments of the LARPing population. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued yeah, now. I was going to say, <laughs> like, the hook has been set. Uh, yeah. No, like, what? what's the... Yeah, tell us a little bit about your LARPing experience. Uh, Andrew's done... SEA, right? Isn't um, that what it's called? It, it was very similar. It was uh, an organization right. through our church, but basically it was a uh, medieval reenactment. So it uh, mm-hmm. it had a, uh, a focus on history and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like we had like armored combat and stuff like that. So it was mm-hmm. it was kind of SCA adjacent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just I did acting in high school, but uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about that experience as a as a larper. Um, well, the quick and dirty version of it is that there is what most people think of when you say larping, uh, which is a bunch of people rushing at each other with foam sticks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is boffer larping, and super. I fun. have the utmost <laughs> I have the utmost respect for boffer larpers because. You, you swing, you know, some foam on a stick around for even 15 minutes 
Although it's never really just 15 minutes. It's like eight hours of this stuff. You get fit. You get in such good physical condition. (laughs) Um, I've done a little little bit of buffer LARPing. I've shown up to some of the um, local LARPs and, uh, you know, you pick up an NPC role. You're basically there to swing a couple times and, you know, get hit and go down, which is... Mm. Very easy when you're new to this, when your role is to go down. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. It's not really for me. Mm. Um, I'm not in good enough shape for it. Um, but, you know, lots of respect to those guys. Totally. The LARPing that I've been doing for 12 years now, that is a scary thought, um, <laughs> is theatrical LARPing or parlor LARPing, where um, you generally... and I have to say, I'm only speaking for one very, very small geographic tradition, mm. uh, which is the tradition in um, Massachusetts and New York, uh, because LARP is many things to many people, uh, sure. you know, debates on the internet all the time. Um, but in my tradition, it is generally for between nine to 25 people, mm. and all of the characters are pre-written. And they are pre-written with a lot of deep, complex psychology, and they are preceded with secrets that are meant to come out over the course of the game as you talk to other people and, you know, you quote-unquote accidentally, you know, dig deep into each other's psyches and, um, you know try to pry for information and, uh, you know, try to sabotage each other or cooperate, things like that. But it is, there have been so many things from the LARP writing and LARP playing mindset that I've brought over into D&D because they think so deeply about the story that they want and how they can sort of lay the groundwork for those stories as the GMs, as the writers, as the game runners, and yet still let their players take their materials and have some amount of autonomy within that system. That's, so, uh, that's yeah. really interesting. So, so the characters that you guys are playing when you do this are not characters that you created. They were created by whoever is running the entire kind of like a, like a murder mystery thing where you come in and you kind of pick up a role. Right. And, Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a whodunit kind of yeah. thing. I, th- I think I've done one of those at least, or one or two. Um, I, I assume it's deeper than oh, that, like sure. a, like yeah. a more long form version. Yeah, yeah. And you know, there are I say about nine to twenty five, but there are you know two player LARPs that are just as deep and emotionally fraught as the twenty five player LARPs. Um, depending on who's writing them, they can be, you know, very light and airy things, uh, you know, three people sitting around playing cards and swapping stories. Or, you know, there's one coming up soon, um, that's for 30 players and it is, uh, set in Imperial Russia. Whoa. Uh, in 1900 and everybody's there for grand ball and also to backstab each other and try to overthrow the czar and you know the winter are there and what goes a ball if you can't do that stuff yeah and um (laughs) you know there's 
there are so many different plot, like sub plot threads that only four or five players in the entire game are going to know about each of these plot threads. But one of them might have some sort of, you know, crucial plot MacGuffin that somebody else that they don't know yet needs for their plot. And so you still have these uh, experiences where you are surprised and, um, you know, you can make these discoveries of like, oh, this thing that I have is secretly the key to saving this whole, you know, other thing. Wow. Do I care about that other thing? You know, that player is going to try to make me care. You know, can they offer me help with the thing that I care about? Uh, oh no, it looks like we're both, you know, we both have the same love interest. Um, also it looks like, you know, over there, somebody is trying to like stab my brother. And, you know, it's, it's very, wow. um, it's very dense. Uh, plot-wise, I'll say. So and so, yeah. So are these are these typically like one shots, or is is there such a thing? I I figure there must be. Uh, I think I'm maybe more wondering about uh the kind you tend to lean into. Are these typically self-contained scenarios, or do you have? Are there ever stories that you get involved in where it's where it actually is a multiple session thing where it'll continue on? The ones that I play are generally one shots. Okay. And, um, you know, they can be one hour long. They could be eight hours long. Um, there is a class of, of LARPs that's, they're called weekend longs because they start on Friday night and they end on Saturday morning. And usually that's like a whole bunch of people go to a retreat. And I was uh, just you know, going to guess that there's yeah. got to be something out there that like occupies a mm -hmm. weekend. Yeah. Yeah. But there generally isn't. People have tried to make campaign theater LARPs, um, you know, campaign boffer LARPs are, are easy to do. Those sure. feel a lot more like your, your typical D and D campaign. But for some reason, campaign theater LARPs don't really, um, catch on as much. I feel like because the writers feel like it's about the same work that they would put in for six individual one shot LARPs. Mm. Um, it's a that different. You know, different pacing, different mindset. So, because all those scenes are happening simultaneously, like characters are just talking to each other like they're at a yeah. party, right? And yeah. so, oh my God, you don't have the spotlight on one thing. So, yeah, it is like a whole campaign for mm -hmm. a, a day of game. And how, <laughs> That's a lot of how prep. do you keep track <laughs> of it all? Like, like I, the idea of trying to GM something like that, that's, that sounds like it's a, it's got to be quite the the well, you, you don't necessarily have a GM for that, right? Like maybe someone gets your game together, but they don't like dictate rules in the middle, do they? They do not dictate rules in the middle. Um, there are usually GMs there on the floor to, you know, answer questions or to adjudicate mechanics. If, for example, one player has, you know, a little mini quest, you know, gather these three widgets and each of the three widgets, you know, is held by some other PC. Mm. And then finally they get them together and then they you ah. know, might take that to a GM and the GM says, great, you know, here is the thing you managed to, you managed to put these things together into, you know, the sparkling diamond statue. Here's your item card. 
Nice. But okay. most of the work is done well beforehand when the writers are thinking right. about all of these plots they want to have, putting the pieces of them into different people's character sheets. Um, and then during game time, it's 95%. It's the players just going on their own. So what are the writers doing while all this is going on? Do they assume a character as well? Or are they watching or? The baseline is that they're watching. They want to be there to just see how yeah, it all comes it, out. It almost sounds like a social experiment kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of them, depending on the setting and the game, they might write in minor NPC roles for themselves. Mm. And, you know, in character, they might be like, oh, you have brought me the three widgets. Here is your diamond statue <laughs> sure. of not blowing the world up. Sure. Um, <laughs> I'm just a kooky inventor. Do not mind me. If you're right? familiar, if you're familiar with the Persona video game series, <laughs> Oh, well, I am. I am very familiar. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> the, Andrew, Andrew hasn't tried it out yet because he's a, oh, a you Philistine. Should. Oh, you, but, sh- you absolutely should. Yeah, um, it's a lot of pressing X, but it is a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful game series. I, I have heard uh, so Best much UI design stuff. I've ever seen. <laughs> Uh, best soundtracks and video games. Anyway, mm-hmm. I could go on. Please, what was your point? <laughs> um, per, okay, Persona 5 <laughs> is the only game that is so stylish that people cosplay as the UI. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Okay, um, okay, what is... I can find you a link afterwards. What's this UI? <laughs> It is such a stylish user interface. Oh my god! You got to play it. That's uh, all. Yes. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, dang! Yeah. All right, all right. But Persona the, yeah. Four Golden's like on sale on Steam right now. You gotta yeah. check that is out. Five my, on uh, Steam? I don't think so. Five, five. Five. You gotta get a console like a person. Oh, yeah. God, I'm not a person. <laughs> <laughs> the last in person LARP that I played in before quarantine was oh, um, God, yeah. was called Persona L. Oh man. And it oh, was man. it was set in a fictional um public university in Connecticut where a whole bunch of college students who were also, you know, influencers online in various aspects were all uh, you know, suddenly made metaverse users. And then, you know, the writers of the LARP um ended up being in there, you know, one of them as Igor and one of them as his assistant. Um, Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. uh, the third one ended up being a character that is very much a spoiler for Persona. So I'm not gonna. Oh man. Oh dude. But yeah, that was, um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, they managed to, um, translate the social link system into something that you could work on in game. Um, in, you know, a system that I'm still trying to figure out how I can translate that into a D&D game, because I think it was brilliant. The giving people incentives, mechanical incentives for spending time together and talking about their deepest fears and their feelings and their hopes for the future um, and raising each other up through the actual power of friendship. Oh, um, man. Yeah. The, that you're you're speaking our language, man. The secret ingredient <laughs> yeah, I, so much. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. And it is possible that I have done essentially that very thing. I have totally stolen from 
a persona to create a social link system for D and Um, it's not like written out and enumerated because I, it, it's like per character. Uh, okay. but for instance, uh, Andrew's character in my current campaign represents the wheel of fortune. Ah, so Lanzavir. they can rank them up and they're they're It's basically like a feat and they get more powerful. Mm-hmm. That so sounds anyway, really neat. Yeah, it is. It's very cool. But yes. Tell me more about Persona. I can tell you that awesome. I died at the end, um, which tends to happen to me in all of the LARPs that I play. You're um, like the Sean Bean of LARPs. Yeah, kind of, which meant that, you know, it was um, no surprise to any of of my friends from the LARPing side to hear what happened to me at the end of episode five of Twice Bitten. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. You Well, (laughs) well, I guess you've got me hooked on for a couple more episodes at the very least. So good job. You did your work. You know, Um, I I think... um, Given that we are like halfway into the yeah. episode, I do want to uh, introduce the topic for tonight um, because with these interviews, what uh, we want to try to start doing is also having a topic where our guest uh, has something near and dear to them that uh, that they'd like to talk about. And I particularly was excited about uh, the one that you had talked with me about, Kaya, and that was uh, slow reveal characters or playing these characters that uh, might be secretive, mysterious, brooding, or otherwise not necessarily forthright with a bunch of information they might kind of play things close to the chest because Mm -hmm. at the table what that can typically translate into especially for somebody who's not as experienced um with going deeper on the rp side of things is basically winding up with a character who's essentially antisocial who doesn't seem like they want to play with the other characters and it can wind up with a bunch of butting heads, but you've done such an excellent job with Lillison and having this kind of almost like a drip feed of little bits of information. And even though she can be kind of a little standoffish, at least at first, she doesn't butt heads against the party. Um, and with all, all the stuff you've been saying about the, uh, how LARPs work and how, um, all these different secrets. And, uh, it seems like those two worlds for you really come together at this kind of topic. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that topic. Absolutely. And, uh, first off, thank you. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> This is something of a topic that's been on my mind for almost as long as I've been role-playing. Um, I started playing D&D literally half my lifetime ago. It's when I, you know, I was 15 or 16. 
um, and got into the game with a bunch of my high school friends. None of us really knew what we were doing, but we did some of the very tropey, you all meet in a tavern, oh, you know, totally. and yeah. Um, what edition? But, <laughs> uh, 3.5. Yeah, that's that's what I started on. Yeah, yep. uh, I still have a great fondness for 3.5, despite not having played it in quite a while. And I'm sure if I tried to play it again now, um, I would find all of the the spots where my nostalgia goggles don't necessarily cover up. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was fun because it was new and we were doing tropey things, but who cares? We were having fun. Oh, yeah. And looking back on it now, I see we were doing a lot of the whole we meet in a tavern and instantly everybody's backstory just spills out of their mouths. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that, I guess, works for certain scenarios where you're trying to just get everybody's quest objectives out in the open. Mm. But if you really think about it, how often do you go out to the bar and, like, turn and strike up a conversation with the person next to you about, like, you know, how your dad disappeared when you were seven and you're trying to go find him, but all you have to go on is this talisman with this strange message in a language you don't read on the back of it. That's the only like, thing I do at a bar. Well, okay. I was just going to say, how many drinks have I had? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe I just don't, like, have enough drinks in order to start doing that. But, uh, first, person you're talking to, what the hell's a talisman? <laughs> I don't I don't bring it up, but the guy next to me always seems to. I guess I just have that face that says share with me, <laughs> which is fine because I do hear them out. It's it's possible that you're the one that ends up with like the big exclamation point over your head. And, that must uh, be it. Yeah. 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 Um, but thinking about it some more, it's like you have everybody has uh, these different faces that they wear in different aspects of their lives. The person that you are when you're at work is not the same person that you are with your parents, which is not the same person that you are, you know, with your significant other. Um, Very true. You and you know these are all aspects of you, but. You're you wear not masks, gonna... you might say. Yes, in fact. Um, <laughs> a persona, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> and it um, comes and full so circle. I... <laughs> the masks, they're always there. You can't get away from them. <laughs> yeah. And so when I... There is this one very specific LARP, one of the first LARPs I've played. Um, it's called Dance and the Dawn. Ooh. And it's called a speed dating LARP. Um, because the fantasy of it is that there are, uh, seven, you know, lords of the island of ice and seven ladies, uh, six ladies on the island of ash. And once every century, they, um, you know, they're allowed to meet for this midnight ball where, uh, they try to find their true loves. But if they choose wrong, they're, you know, doomed to an eternity of misery. So no pressure. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, also, like, all of the Lords of Ice are written to be absolute jerks. Um, but the psychology that went into these character sheets um, really fascinated me. The first time that I played this game, uh, I played as a lady, and I did not know what was what was going on. But um, when I read the materials afterwards, I realized that the writer, uh, whose name is Warren Tusk, he is a you know, dear friend and mentor of mine, he had devised this system for the Lords of Ice 
where he broke down their personality traits. And this is um, a system that I ended up adapting for um, for D&D and making characters of all sorts. Uh, I've done a fireside chat on it for, uh, for Twice Bitten. Um, but the system is basically you have your face traits, which are the very surface traits, the traits that you show to all the world. Um, this is generally going to be, um, you know, polite. Most people are, you know, some baseline form of polite to people they don't know. Um, and then whatever personality you want the world to see in you. And then underneath that, you have ego traits, which are traits that you show to friends, people that you're trying to open up to. Uh, you get a little bit more vulnerability there. Um, you might, you know, be comfortable enough to share some of your, um, insecurities. And then deepest of all, the personality traits that you only show to one or two people that you trust absolutely are your heart traits. And mm. those are generally going to be, you know, your most tormented feelings, your deepest insecurities, your, you know, hopes that you fear are going to sound foolish to everybody else. Um, and over the course of the game, the players of the Lords of Ice are encouraged to role play, you know, opening up as much as they feel whoever they're talking to has, you know, has earned their trust. Mm, man. And this is the system that I brought in uh, making Lillison as well. So that's um, that's really cool. I I've uh, in uh, supporting Dragna Carta's uh, Patreon, he shares some of his uh, different prep documents and things like that. And I noticed that for at least important NPCs, as well as you guys, the the player characters, he had those three bullets, face, ego, and heart. Um, and I never knew quite where those were coming from, like looking at them broken out, uh, you could get an idea contextually of like, okay, I, you know, kind of get what this is going for. Um, but I was mm -hmm. never a hundred percent sure. So it's fascinating to, to hear you break it down like that. That's such a cool way to approach character personality. Yeah, and I find it's a more realistic way as well, Very. because, you know, just as when you're meeting a stranger anywhere, if, uh, you know, you're sitting down next to somebody at the bar, or, you know, a friend introduces you to an acquaintance of theirs, you know, you show your, your face traits, you don't like generally, you don't just sort of dump all of your uh, deepest insecurities on them or anything like that. And, that I think is a realistic and healthy way to bring into a D&D character that you want to have be secretive and, um, you know, mysterious, but still helpful. Yeah. Um, or at least aligned with the party because not everybody in a D&D party has to trust each other from the get go, which is not to say that, you know, they're going to be super suspicious of each other. Right. But you can start with the polite, uh, oh, we're just going to 
do this thing together. Um, you know, we're on the road together, sort of same level of formality as if you're on a plane and the person next to you strikes up a conversation. That's a really um, good analogy. Yeah, just keep it very light. Keep things, uh, keep topics impersonal. And if they start digging deeper into your, your psyche and your motivations, as D&D characters tend to try to do, right. um, you know, everybody knows the sort of instinctive ways to deflect that mm. with somebody that you don't really want to be, you know, you, you don't really feel comfortable opening up to. I feel like I noticed that with Jack a lot. Yeah. His character goes to deflection mm-hmm. very often. Some of you just flee. <laughs> the scene. Um, but he, he tends to, you know, just have a quip on hand, which is that, you know, defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what you're talking about, <laughs> it actually made me think of Shrek. Because <laughs> uh, I, I was like, og- ogres are like onions. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we all have these layers. And I think in a lot of ways, uh, what you're sort of describing are, you know, are ways we open it up, but it also helps us travel through the character arc. Right. Yeah. Because in a lot of ways we've, we've met our, our mask is so thick. You might say maybe we've grown so accustomed to, to wearing it. We don't even, we don't even know what's, what's under it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think sometimes we, the story, the adventure is what causes us to, uh, to remove it and face ourselves, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, that was how you were describing uh, Dragna's thought on what Barovia is. Exactly, yeah. Because you can have uh, deep buried issues with yourself or, you know, fears or weaknesses that you would never otherwise want to bring out, much less in front of other people that you don't know very well. But an adventure can push that out into the open and make it something that you have to deal with. Mm. Or over the course of an adventure, you could, you know, acquire new phobias and new weaknesses that you try to deal with in whatever way you can. And, you know, that's when your teammates can help you through that and, you know, forge stronger bonds. I've never really gotten the idea of a party that just starts out as this cohesive unit that just, you know, this is, this is party. Mm. Um, you know, you know, where do you go from that? Really? Um, well, we, we've tried to do it. It, it, it never works. It mm-hmm. always, um, because people, I think naturally want to play characters they've seen. Right. Mm. And no, no character that you've ever seen in fiction that you remember anyway is really ever like that. Almost every character is, I have, I, I believe some kind of lie and I need to overcome that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that's, and so I think we all go to that. So Andrew in his, in his uh, curse of Strahd game wanted us to be a little bit united, more united to our family. But of course, who, who fights more than a family? <laughs> yeah. I, in, in retrospect, <laughs> no. we fight a lot. But for the, most of the time, we, we, we do it for the good. <laughs> we are doing our best. Sometimes it gets a little real, but, you know. It's actually been really, really, really interesting because you you guys have this. It's like it went in both directions at once. Like, you guys do have that bond. You're like, 
commitment, we're family, you know, come hell or high water, we're family. But at the same time, you guys will butt heads and, you know, you'll argue or you may, you know, uh, like very recently, there were certain developments that came to light and certain uh, PCs amongst you were not thrilled to hear this information. But at the same time, yeah, you guys are family. So it it was this we we got to we got to we can't quit. Right. That's the that's the main thing. But uh, I have a question for you, Kaya, about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm playing a character that has these kinds of layers and problems and it and it's and it's turning out to be a challenge. And maybe I can get your advice on this. Sure. And so my character is the father of the family. And um, if I reveal the contents of my heart, they will all realize I've ruined their lives. <laughs> ah, because I was not born a noble. Ah, but they think they're nobles. Okay. So, advice for getting to that core layer, that heart layer, when the consequences are dire. Mm. Huh. Without a whole lot of other context. Yeah. I would want no, uh, none other offered. Yeah. <laughs> I would want to know what being a noble means to your character. Does it mean mm. status? Does it oh, mean good power? Does it mean does it mean like knowing that you are significant in the, you know, larger picture of the world? And if that's taken away, you know, what does that mean for his own self-image? And how is that going to contrast with what he is seeing, um, you know, the Baron or Strahd or, you know, other nobles within Barovia doing with their lives and their privilege? Mm-hmm. Because if, you know, his idea of being a noble, I don't know whether this is actually true. If his idea of being a noble is, you know, um, leadership and, you know, serving the people, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then he sees the way that Strahd and I don't know how much of, uh, how much interaction you've had with the Baron. None. Um, okay. But certainly Strahd, mm-hmm. you know, the way that he treats the people he's supposed to be ruling, you know, maybe he starts wondering, like, is that actually, a good thing, you know, is the idea of nobility itself dangerous in some way? You know, am I dodging a bullet? Mm. Or is that supposed to be the ideal that I was supposed to live up to when I was pretending to be a noble? Oh, man. Interesting. Maybe, maybe he sees, I'll open my heart up to Strahd. Yes. Perfect. Why That's- not? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Lillison's done it. Yeah, <laughs> he'll he'll do it. He'll do it metaphorically, and Strahd will open your heart literally, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then he takes a big bite. Mm, like I taste your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? All of a sudden, I don't feel very much pain anymore. You're this welcome. is nice. Oh, oh crap! I'm dying. Oh, uh, <laughs> Whoops. Oh well, that's. That's um, really fascinating, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that. I'm still not sure how I'll end up opening up to the family, but at least in terms of introspection and dealing with NPCs, you know, that definitely gives me some thoughts. So thank you. I'm glad. I think yeah. what's what's interesting about that, too, is 
like a lot of your questions uh, actually wound up being very internally focused. Like it, it wasn't so much about, you know, what result does he want to get or how should he interact with an external individual to achieve XYZ goal or anything like that. It's, you know, what does he view nobility as, you know, what mm-hmm. and what happens if he learns that it wasn't what he thought it was? What does that mean for him? And what's cool about that is that it doesn't depend on any other character, not a PC, not an NPC. That's a journey and a character change that can be discovered and executed completely yeah. independently. Yeah. Well, well, I don't know. <laughs> somewhat, <laughs> don't... somewhat independently, depending on what sort of input you get from seeing the way that, you know, these NPC oh, sure, nobles sure. are reacting. But, but yeah. Um, and that's sort of the LARPer in me going, well, I have my own psychology to work with. I have, you know, my internality that I can play with. And I can't really um, put too much uh, of my hopes of where, you know, the plot is going to go on any other character, PC or NPC. Mm. Um, because first of all, like, you know, that's, that's not really something that you can do. Um, you know, you can sort of do it in D&D if you talk through it beforehand, like, I would like the scene to go this way. Mm. But in LARPing, on, like, often you, the way you think that something is going to go, it turns out that that other character had, you know, secrets of their own to uncover. And, you know, the beauty of interacting in live action role plays, you, you don't know mm. where these interactions are going to go. And you can let events unfold as they do and so really all you have control over is your own character internality so you know that's the way that i approach it um i don't know how deep into role playing the other players at your table are mm. they they yeah run yeah the that, that varies it varies mm-hmm. um you know i i, I think D is in that is in the you know there, it could be a lot of things mm-hmm. right yeah and it can be a lot of things to a lot of people the uh, uh, strata is interesting in that it is very much not your typical D and D fair, at least in my mind, uh, based on my experience, it does seem like it aims to be more, uh, more psychological, more, in, um, you know, more conversation heavy, you might say, mm-hmm. uh, as, as opposed to, you know, the, your typical dun- dungeon run. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, just sort of dealing with, more simple characters, you might say. Yeah, with a, a big bad, you know, sitting on a throne, cackling at the very bottom of the dungeon, things mm-hmm. like that. They always cackle. You yeah. Know? What's so I've, funny? I've got to work on my uh, my <laughs> evil laugh for my Tomb of Annihilation group. Oh, man. Ah, yes. <laughs> but yeah, no. I was going to ask if you're playing any other games, and yeah, uh, yeah. Tomb of Annihilation, you're going for it. <laughs> um, I mean, Strahd is such a a nuanced and complex villain who really just wants to toy with the party 
And you can lean into or out of that as you desire as a DM. Um, but I mean, the book makes it clear that he wants to find out about them. He wants to figure out what makes them tick. And then he'll decide whether or not he wants to kill them. And usually he does want to kill them. Um, but it's very different from the sorts of villains that exist just to, you know, get stabbed a bunch at the end and, and die. Right. Um, so yeah, there's, there's this interesting thing where I think all of the characters in Twice Bitten have sort of built a different mental strad for themselves, each one, and ascribing to him some of their own flaws. That's really interesting. Man. So yeah, you can play all sorts of psychological games, uh, with, with Strahd. No um, my players actually, you know, asked very politely for something a little less, uh, doom and gloom and, you know, <laughs> psychological oppressiveness sure. after we finished Chris of Strahd. So, you know, I, I hooked them on the promise of, uh, Indiana Jones meets Jurassic Park. Um, <laughs> that is they, a pretty nice pitch. Actually. <laughs> they, they don't fully know yet what's at the end of Tomb of Annihilation waiting for them. But, uh, just in case any of them listen to this, I, I won't, I won't spoil it's it. It's Strahd again. Ha ha ha, you thought you escaped. <laughs> so I assume that as a GM, you also want to do this kind of like three layer journey with your players. Um, if, if so, I, I guess I would ask, how do you, uh, present them with challenges and, and strife in order to, to do that. Like, how do you design those encounters to create the necessary pain needed to get there? Well, first off, um, I am lucky enough to have a table full of very, very enthusiastic role players Good. who all work well off of each other. So that makes my job a lot easier. No um, the, the other thing is I don't really require or push or even really tell my players about the face ego heart system. Mm. They all have their own, you know, different ideas about how they think about their character, how they create their character, how they want to express their character. But something that I do when I'm starting a game um, is I give them this sort of general broad strokes of the module that we're playing. And so far, I've run published modules, but with like 60% of the content gutted and replaced by homebrew. Mm. Um, I give them the broad strokes and ask them to give me, you know, their, their general character idea. And then I work with them to put in extra details into their character backstory, which I know are going to be plot hooks for something much later on, but they don't necessarily know. Mm. And, um, this is also, you know, bringing in the sort of LARP writer mindset of, I'm going to seed these secrets in real early. Mm. And then over the course of the game, something is going to happen that will uncover that. And then they get to, you know, have to deal with that emotionally, mentally. Um, you know, you can, I know that Twy was talking about how he deliberately built Erthrandir to have, you know, those, um, those hooks and those, uh, points of close connection with things that he knew was going to be coming up in the module. Yes, indeed. Um, 
Yeah, and and people who are who haven't already DM'd the module don't really get the luxury of doing right. that. So uh, so I go in and do that for them. Oh, um, that's that's a good idea. Yeah, it does mean a lot of front loaded prep mm. because you you know you can't really just do the whole prep one week ahead uh, every week if you're trying to bury these half secrets about something that's going to come up like 40 sessions from now. Yeah, especially when so. you're not entirely sure when and how things are going to fall. Exactly, yeah. Hmm. Are there are there certain, I don't want to say specific ones, but like, I guess, categories of questions that you tend to ask your your players like, you know, family related questions or career related questions or um, different kinds of questions you find yourself asking your players on multiple occasions because they're just kind of common themes or whatnot. That actually depends a lot on the specific character pitch that they give mm. me. Um, for example, one of the players in my current TOA game uh, pitched the idea of a bard who is also a pirate, who is also, you know, um, had a couple of flings, you know, in various different ports. And knowing that part, I could say, you know, what do you think some of his exes are like? Mm. And uh, then, you know, we work together to flesh out um, a couple of different uh, women in this character's backstory. Um, and then just two sessions ago, so session 29, uh, one of those ladies showed up um, mm. semi-unexpectedly on her own quest with her own party, um, wow. which is actually... Which is actually a quest hook for Storm King's Thunder, which I'm running after TOA. Wow. So I have I have this cinematic universe going on. Um, Good, that's awesome. Spike I love that. We'll be thrilled to hear about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my my Curse of Strahd game that ended last year, my current Tomb of Annihilation game, and the Storm King's Thunder and Rime of the Frostmaiden games that I'm going to be running afterwards are all in one, you know, cinematic universe, and there's going to be plot cross, you know, oh, cross-pollination. Man. This sounds more like Spike by the second. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it sounds like you've got your ducks in a row, and you, and you know what Absolutely. you're doing, but I am just about to finish up storm king so if you ever want to yeah hit me up I, with a question let me know i probably will be doing that in a year <laughs> or so because uh you know even though the way that i'm presenting it here makes it sound like i have all of my ducks in a row i <laughs> those those quackers are all over that's the place a, <laughs> um, that's a face ego heart right right yeah <laughs> Yeah, deep deep down, my heart trait is I do not know what the, I'm doing at all. The ducks are loose. Um, the ducks have left there the building. You go. <laughs> oh man, that's. But you know, also if you ever find yourself at loose ends, you know, you can always go back through one of your player's backstory and go, hmm. Oh wow, yeah, I seem to remember this. Uh, this character's backstory had a bit about how they um, had a missing uncle. Let's just say 
Yeah, that uh, that uncle is um, his corpse is frozen stiff in that place up in the mountains that I should not name. Mm. Um, hmm. Let's see how he'll react to that. That's yeah. So you're basically looking at whatever backstory is presented to you and you're just trying to dig down into whatever those points may be and just trying to round it out even more Mm -hmm. so that you have concrete information that you can then use. Yeah. In addition to uh, planting the seeds of, you know, reveals that, you know, as a GM are going to be coming up much later in the, in the module. That's, that's so cool. And, you know, I think uh, when it comes to the uh, face, ego, heart side of things, um, when I was originally asking the question uh, and thinking about the topic that um, that we wanted to do tonight, that uh, we were talking about, I had thought originally that maybe you had a certain approach to playing a character that you chose to make in such a way that they, you actively wanted them to seem mysterious or uh, a little distant or something like that. But now having spoken with you about this, I get the sense that this is just straight up how you approach any character you make ever. A little bit, yeah. Um, Lillison is on the more evasive side of sure. things. Um, you know, some of my other characters would have no trouble coming out at the very beginning and say, like, hi, nice to meet you. You know, this is my name. This is my family name. You know, here is why I was on my way to Neverwinter, the way that all of the other characters mm-hmm. did. Um, she has her own reasons for, you know, not giving out personal information. Um, and some of those reasons really are that she hasn't really had a lot of social interaction yet. Right. Um, but there is also a layer of, you know, realistically, nobody gives out all the information right. that a D&D character might write up front. So, yeah, I do um, build my characters thinking about how much they would reveal to, you know, strangers, acquaintances, close friends at each stage. And some of them might be like, oh, yeah, to, you know, strangers, they try to put on this real macho tough act. Mm. But, you know, then as people get close, you know, they reveal they're a big softy inside. Um, contrasts like that, um, as opposed to the, I'm not telling you anything. Right. Okay, now I guess I'm going to tell you things. Right. That's so cool. It it's such a it's such a realistic and natural way to approach things. And I feel like asking those questions of a character that you're making can also go a long way to helping to round them out and flesh them out and realize them in your own mind and make that character feel more real to you because it's because it's no longer just about you know okay what what thing sent me here what am i trying to do you know connect the dots Mm -hmm. instead it's Mm -hmm. what's happened to me 
you know, what, what did my life consist of, yada, yada, yada. But not only that, but also, how do I feel about those things? And to mm-hmm. what extent am I willing to let other people see those things? And like, that's, that's a lot of very deep, deep stuff to think about. And I feel like that can make for such a more, I guess, authentic kind of character. Yeah. And if you want to bring it one step further, you know, this character, who do they want to become? And Mm. along the way there, are they going to acknowledge some of their deep-seated insecurities or are they going to try to get over them? Are they trying to, you know, going to try to bury them? Um, And then how is whatever they're going through over the course of the adventure going to shape them as well? Man, that's so good. (laughs) Thank you. Any of you listening, take notes because... I don't know if you've noticed. Andrew's a fan. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I know I hide it well. <laughs> yeah, I think he's got like like uh, different hats for each of your characters. Like <laughs> really, I, like actual hats. I, I wish I had hats. <laughs> I wish I had hats. Uh, I, that's the, that's the next step. It's, it is. So thanks for you know coming on and and chatting with us and visiting with us and sharing your thoughts and. And bearing maybe some glimpses of heart, perhaps. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's been a pleasure to have all of you on so far and uh, to, to get your thoughts. And it definitely seems like you guys are on the, the same wavelength for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we all started from different points, um, you know, both in experience and um just sort of the general DM spectrum of, you know, how much do we like role-playing? How much do we like the crunch? Mm. Um, but I feel like over time, we've really converged towards uh, our own flavor of uh, experience that we want to deliver through Twice Pitten. I, I think, do you, do you prefer to, to run or to play? Hard to say. Uh, I've had a lot of fun, you know, both ways, but it, very much depends more on the other people at the table. Interesting. Yeah. The people you play with can make or break the experience. That's for darn yes. sure. Um, yeah. How how are you feeling about uh, Frostbitten? I am excited for it. Um, partially because I didn't really realize while I was running Curse of Strahd how bleak and oppressive it is to play through it because as a dm you're seeing all of these moving parts and you're sort of steepling your fingers and cackling and going ah yes i'm going to bring in straw next next (laughs) session that that is Um, that is what you do yeah i yeah (laughs) so i'm i'm you know looking forward to getting away from that for a little while um i'm actually not a big horror fan like i don't i have not really experienced any of the classic franchises at all and I'm, that speaks I'm to happy adam to leave it that in a way big way yeah yeah uh, yeah it's not it's not my jam either to be honest mm-hmm. but you know part of the reason why you know i, I enjoy strad is because i can i need to get it i need to get away from myself right i need to open up that horizon mm-hmm. yeah and you know gothic horror is different from you know slasher horror Mm. or like survival horror so you know that might be an area that i want to 
explore more in at some later point. But in the meantime, I'm, you know, really looking forward to getting into Frostbitten just as a, a change of scenery. Yeah. And also to start playing a, a new character because I have my character idea uh, ready for that campaign already. And Ooh. it is the exact opposite of Lillison on pretty much every dimension you could possibly can think we, of. Can we, so. can we get an exclusive preview? Huh? You can <laughs> each ask me one question, which... I may or may not answer truthfully. What are all okay. the details of this new character? <laughs> <laughs> I would like to wish for more wishes. <laughs> Adam, I'll let you go first. Oh, 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 I thought that was, I thought you were like, but like, oh, I'm kidding. But am I? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I guess who, um, Who's your favorite party member? <laughs> as uh, as my Frostbitten who, character or as Lillison? As Lillison. Who is Lillison's favorite uh, party member? Oh, man. Huh. Huh. If, if, if Strahd was like, I'm going to uh, uh, spare you, but I'm going to kill everyone except for your, your, your plus one, who's that going to be? Interesting, because if that's how it was put to her, she would think about who would be the most advantageous tactically when she strikes back oh, against him. Man. But if we're, if we're talking about sentiment alone, um, Lillison feels the most uh, kinship towards Erthrindir, mm. um, because they're both big old nerds. That's true. And... Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, she also feels like together they could work out a plan for, um, you know, recovering whatever it it is that Strahd was going to do to everybody else. Um, Always bet on the bard. Mm. Yeah, um, although I don't think he's a pure bard anymore. Uh-oh. Are, are, are <laughs> any of you pure one class? I think Amity still is. Really? Yeah. She went she went um, full bard. So far. So far. Interesting. Um but yeah, Lillison has uh fond spots for each of the other party members in different places. So hard to say for sure. Interesting. Well the the, the best question is always Sophie's choice, right? <laughs> That's the one you have to go. <laughs> oh man. Let's see. Um Good answer, though, making it about tactics. Because it's the way that she thinks. Yeah. Well, then you can just, you know, if anyone gets offended, you could just blame it on the numbers. Like, hey, the math says I should pick you. So, like, don't look at me. (laughs) That's that's, that's a a cover your ass kind of answer. That's the way to go. (laughs) I like it. Oh, man. So what thing about the uh about the new character is the most opposite from Lillison. Um Damn. there are a lot of opposites, but feel uh, free to mention say, more than one if you need to. <laughs> let's just say he wears his heart on his sleeve so openly and is going to get taken advantage of so hard. I am already looking forward oh, to it. Oh, that's fun that's fun and and he's it's a guy so that's interesting yeah cool yeah 
I, uh, she's role playing me, apparently. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Gonna have to work on my 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 deep manly yeah, voice. Deep voice. Um, Perfect, you got it. That was it. You nailed it. Perfect. <laughs> Still got a couple months to work on that. And she says she doesn't have a formal acting background. <laughs> I know. It's just a whole bunch of uh, me sitting alone in my office. Uh, you know, trying not to let the neighbors hear all the different voices I'm trying to do. Oh my gosh. I, I wander around the house like a madman sometimes do like saying lines from games that haven't happened yet. Do you? <laughs> I do. I do. And then I, sometimes usually I'm alone when it happens, but every now and then like my wife looks up at me and I'm like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not insane. I, I'm not see, insane. I, I can't do that because my husband is a player in my oh. game. So anything he overhears is going to no be spoilers. a spoiler. He yeah. does. Oh my gosh. He won't make funny. You'll just turn around and he'll be sitting there completely silently with a notebook. He's yeah. just like, no, no, no. Go on. <laughs> you do you, yeah. babe. You do you. <laughs> oh man. Well, that's great. Um, so I think that's gonna bring us to pretty close to the end. Or did you wanna Keep going, Andrew. No, or, we can uh, an hour sixteen. We can wrap it up. But uh, Kaya, okay. if there's any last stuff that you would like to add, feel free. Um, thank you very much for having me here. It was, you know, a ton of fun. Oh, I'm glad. And and if anybody is interested in the origin of the uh, the face ego heart system. Let me make sure that I have this this web address absolutely correct. Sure. Um, you can go to paracelsus-games.com. That is P-A-R-A-C-E-L-S-U-S-Games.com. Uh, that is the website of my friend and mentor, Warren Tusk. Um, you can go under Theatrical Experiences, and The Dance and the Dawn is... A very excellent, uh, theatrical LARP, um, for 13 players. Um, and the Lords of Ice are the ones with the character sheets with all of the face, ego, heart, uh, broken out. So there are seven of those. You can, you know, even if you don't think you'll ever play it as a LARP, you can get a lot of really great ideas as to character building, uh, making layered character psychology, um, I feel like Warren is just a master of um, building really deep, well-rounded, deeply flawed characters that are a joy to oh, play. That so, sounds so cool. Well, awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, if you don't, yeah, and if you don't mind, uh, throw the um, link in our Discord. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, and we could put it on our various channels or I'll whatever. I'll make sure to put yeah. that in the show notes as well. Very good. Very, very cool. Well, Kaya, it was an unmitigated pleasure having you here. I'm so, I'm so glad you could make it. Um, it's, it's been so fun to talk to you. Um, so yeah, it's been a blast. Thank you so much for inviting me. Very welcome. Thank you for all the work you do on the show. And, you know, I, I also would be remiss if I did not mention that you are also responsible for doing the editing on Twice Bitten, correct? Ah. For the podcast version, yeah. yes, not for the YouTube version. 
Oh, you did a great job. It, it's really clean. Yep. It's really professional. Thank you. Yeah. I spend way too much time on it. I so. understand how that could be. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it, it can be a lot, but you do a terrific job. It sounds it sounds great. Like I I never have any issues listening to it. It's it is very clean. So really Thank you. good work. That is uh that is very high praise. Well, I I'm I'm glad to know that my that my opinion is is worth something. Um, <laughs> Andrew is d- doesn't do anything but high anything, be it praise or <laughs> that's true <laughs> or otherwise. It's always at eleven. That's true. From from one podcast editor to another, you know you you learn to listen for, you know, the things that you hear them and you can just see the display on Audacity yep. and you're like, if I were doing that, hmm, I would get rid of that. So yes, absolutely. Mm, you do. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Well, I know it's getting late, so I'm going to wrap this whole thing up, but thank you, Kaya. Once again, it was wonderful having you. Um, Everyone, if uh, if you haven't checked out Twice Bitten and you don't mind spoilers about uh, Curse of Strahd, if you're a player about to go into a Curse of Strahd game, don't go listen to it. You'll get spoiled on like freaking everything. Uh, but if you are a GM or you are familiar with the game or just don't care about spoilers, go check out twice bitten it's a terrific show with terrific people in it um and on our side i want to say thank you to our ever faithful patrons spike logan kate and falangor you guys are awesome and thank you for your continued support And if you would like to get in touch with us, you can head on over to our website, which is inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com. And if you're on uh, desktop in the upper right hand corner, you'll see three little bubbles that will take you to our Facebook, Twitter and Patreon. And if you're on mobile, those three bubbles will be in the upper middle. Um, So if you'd like to support the show, please head on over to the Patreon, back us on there, and you can get access to our Discord. Come hang out with us there um, and also throw some input in on the shows, suggest topics, anything like that. We're on there all the time. So in the meantime, until next time, keep your cards close to your chest, mind your face, ego, and your heart. And until next time, stay inspired. Bye. Bye-bye.